welcome to a special Blarney Stone episode of the Sing Second Podcast. Yes, it is St. Patrick's Day. Somehow snuck up on us. Uh, Kyle, wearing any green tonight? Uh, negative. Just North Platte blue, it looks like. Uh, a little, little yellow in there. If you squint your eyes, they, they blend and you can see yeah. green maybe. Through the screen, it might look green. Yeah. But again, tonight, we've got an, another little special pod. Uh, down, down a couple of men, like we were last time when Brandon and I talked all FCS. And again, tonight's a little bit different. We're not talking college football, but it is officially March Madness. Uh, conference tournaments uh, ended last weekend, and we had Selection Sunday. It's own kind of holiday, if you would, in March. And and there are some intriguing matchups that we'll get into and what we're excited for because as a teacher, I think there's no better day than normally the Thursday and Friday after March Madness or after Selection Sunday. Uh, but with, with COVID, the schedule looks different, all being in Indiana, uh, mostly Indianapolis. So now we're, we're just uh, lucky to get Friday full of games instead of that Thursday, Friday doubleheader. Um, but Kyle, before we dive too much into – uh, what is March Madness? What's good? Yeah, it feels like they robbed us of one of the greatest teaching days of the year, taking the Thursday all-day games away. But uh, what's good with me? Just the the gift of time. Uh, the last time I was on, we were preparing for a little state basketball. Uh, we ended up losing in the first round with uh, losing to the eventual runners-up. But uh, we had a great season, but just it's it's awesome. It's a good feeling just to get done teaching at 3.30 or whenever that final bell rings and just you have time to do whatever you want to. And uh, I get the gift of time and, and you and Danny lose it. So it's it's good for me. This time of year is, is kind of the best time of year for me because the weather's getting nice. And I just I have a lot more time on my hands. So right now I'm enjoying it. Now last year you the girls made it to state as well, and you lost to the eventual champs last year, correct? Yep, yep. So I mean that's kind of been the unfortunate part is we've had two pretty darn good teams, but either make it uh, to the first round against a team that is the eventual champs or the team who very well for three quarters looked like the eventual champs this year, and then end up falling a little short there against uh against the yeah and, and lost to the back-to-back champ and it wasn't even like we were going in as the the eight seed or anything like that we were the five seed one time and the six seed so we just happened to catch teams at the wrong time when they were extremely hot so no it's, it's kind of a a fun atmosphere no matter what what the circumstances or the outcomes become uh, i think that was uh, one of my favorite weekends being in late elementary school or middle school, I always had friends that they would always have a hotel room at the embassy and uh, we'd walk over and, and go to the games all day Saturday. So that's always one of my favorite uh, couple weekends there in, in March. Yeah. Girls State basketball was a blast. And then last weekend watching all the boys state basketball might've been some of the, the best games kind of strung together that, that I've seen and probably, probably the, the most talented, uh, rich season in Nebraska high school sports as, as far as I can remember. So kinda. that's kind of the, the fun thing is reading all the Omaha headlines, all the Lincoln headlines about 
the final high school rankings for basketball this year, three Nebraska teams were rated, which has never happened before. And uh, we had uh, Miller North, I think, is like number nine or something crazy like that. So uh, some some pretty great basketball is happening in the state of Nebraska, which is obviously fun for us to see because we do see it on a weekly basis. Yeah. Traveling or whether it's coming to us. But, but no, as we kind of wrap up uh, high school basketball and getting ready to, for the, the big dance, if you would, uh, Kyle, since you haven't really been – able to focus too much on on college basketball just because of the um, awesome season that your your lady team did have you know what what are some of those big takeaways as you glance through the bracket the headlines going into the conference championship week last week what what's really stood out to you uh I think the the craziest part is just kind of the I don't know if it's a changing of the guard because it takes one year for teams to kind of reload but uh, it's a little topsy-turvy when you take a look at who made the tournament, who didn't. Uh, some of the teams you thought you'd always be able to pencil in in those top four lines have, are either a little bit lower than you normally expect or not invited at all. You think of uh, Duke and Kentucky who didn't even make the tournament when they typically have top five, top two recruiting classes every year and uh, you see teams like Alabama and, and Arkansas and teams that maybe you even think more of as, as football schools or just not really the the top tier athletic schools and it's a it's a little bit little bit different of a year and obviously COVID factors into it a little bit but more than anything I think it just kind of shows that uh, any team can kind of pop up and any team can have a down year it just kind of seems like it all happened to some of these schools all at once. Yeah, and it's it's interesting to note that, uh, like you mentioned, Duke and Kentucky, uh, this is the first year that they both have missed the tournament since like 1978 or something like that, which, again, unfathomable watching college basketball in the state of Nebraska. Um, but, shoot, uh, that's quite the run. But as you mentioned before, uh, Alabama, two-seed, Arkansas – a three seed, um, typical don't see that, but they, you know they have some recently coaching changes that um, kind of stand out. And for Alabama, it's uh, Nate Oates, I believe, if I remember correctly. But he was a head coach of Buffalo after taking over for um, one of uh, one of the they a, a pretty high name coach in the in the basketball world that kind of put Buffalo on the map. And he just kept it going, but then went on to Alabama and really reproduced um, for the Crimson Tide what he'd done at Buffalo. And so really to uh, show you the coaching uh, carousel that has run through Buffalo the last couple of uh, cycles has been phenomenal. But just that how great coaches can win at these lower lower tiers. And uh, Arkansas's head coach was the head coach of Nevada, uh, his previous stop, and Nevada was a top one of the top seeds a couple years ago when they had a huge senior class and two or three uh, end up going to the NBA, you know, for a couple of years, which is always impressive because you don't think of Nevada being all that uh, powerful in basketball. And so it's just kind of cool this year, especially thinking uh, the potential for upsets may be even more likely than normal, um, but just how open it feels with two less of the blue bloods, if you would, 
that are involved in that 64 or 68 team draw. Yeah, and even like you think North Carolina, they're an eight seed where even if they get by Wisconsin, who's also normally a little bit higher up on the the seed line, they're going to go up against Baylor, who's been the top team or one of the top two teams all year. Michigan State is playing in the play-in game, actually. Like all these teams that you kind of normally have written in your Sweet 16 or Elite Eights are – either not there or we'll definitely have an uphill climb. Yeah, and, and of all teams that Michigan State plays in that playing game, it's uh, UCLA. So uh, I feel like they, they try to give us a pretty darn good name battle for that first opening night. Yeah. Um, start, I think their game starts at like 945 or something crazy like that. So, of course, um, they'll be past most of the people's bedtime that may be tuning in for it. But um, definitely – kind of the, uh, the marquee matchup of that first playing game night. Uh, I saw uh, a picture on Twitter uh, that they knew who the final four teams were automatically going to be out of each region. In the West region, Oklahoma's an eight seed, so they moved Oklahoma all the way through. In the South region, Ohio State was the number two seed, so they moved Ohio State all the way through. In the East bracket uh, was Alabama, so they moved Alabama all the way through. And in the Midwest bracket, Clemson was a seven seed there, so they moved Clemson all the way through. Yeah. Had the same four from the old playoffs in football. They're clearly going to make it uh, all the way through. And so, yeah. Uh, I thought that was at least fun to look at. Uh, but moving right along, Kyle, are there any matchups that um, intrigue you other than that Michigan State-UCLA play-in game? Oh, I've, I claimed – to be a, a North Carolina fan, uh, and honestly, this year, I don't know if I could name more than one player in Roy Williams, so I don't know if I'd be real invested otherwise, but the in terms of just re- name recognition, Wisconsin and North Carolina would be probably my go-to, uh, especially after talking about uh, Nebraska high school sports, Chucky Hepburn, which who's one of the best players the state of Nebraska probably has ever seen is is uh, committed to play at Wisconsin. So once he gets there, I, I might have more of a rooting interest in Wisconsin than than I normally would have. So that's probably going to be a game that I, I try to find at least. Well, and at least you could maybe turn in your Husker gear inside out and just say it's a, a blank Wisconsin shirt or something like that. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever go as far to say as I'm rooting for Wisconsin, but – uh, I'll, I'll at least, if, if we have a Nebraska guy on, uh, on the team, we'll at least pull f- for them a little bit more than yeah. I, I would have otherwise. That's fair. Uh, I think one team that, that stands out to me before I get to kind of the matchups that are intriguing to me, um, Loyola Chicago, the Missouri Valley champ. Uh, a couple years ago, was it two, two or three years ago, they made it to the final four um, with – uh, who was it, Sister Jean or something like that was their, yeah. their, their mascot. Um, she's going to be in India, it sounds like. And from everything you read from all the broadcasts, Loyola is better this year than their Final Four run. Now, that obviously doesn't mean uh, a lot because they still have to win the games in front of them. But it's always intriguing when, uh, you know, Butler did it well, a decade ago or whatever. George Mason did it a long time ago. There's these, just these teams that kind of come out of nowhere. And then some of them hang around. Butler became kind of a national brand in, 
in basketball and before moving on to the to the Big East. But is it kind of where Chicago, they, you know, sitting in Chicago, they've got the recruit base, they've got all the talent right there. They could, you know, string something along together. But just to hear that storyline, can they repeat it after uh, two years or so? Uh, but then you have Creighton. Creighton plays UC Santa Barbara. And UC Santa Barbara um, is not a, any slouch out of the old Big West Conference. Kyle, do you know any other teams in the Big West Conference? Um, Pepperdine. Wow, that no, they're in the West Coast Conference, not oh. close though. No, I was just taking a guess. Any other uh, West Coast school that starts with UC probably would have been a, a safe bet, but um, they're no slouch. The the Gauchos, uh, so Creighton, especially coming off a 25, 30 point loss to Georgetown in the Big East final, who knows what that's going to look like. Um, but then Winthrop. Winthrop uh, in the Big South Conference has kind of been the class of the Big South, and they have the the potential to, you know, overthrow some people. They've they've got the an older squad, which a lot of the mid majors that are successful do. But um, I think their point guard, if I'm not mistaken, I, I've watched a lot of championship basketball for the last few days. I think their point guard's like six eight or something crazy like that, and um, it's going to give Villanova some trouble because their starting point guard towards ACL or MCL the last couple weeks and so they're they're still struggling um so just just to hopefully see some of those 5 12 4 13 6 11 matchups that um are going to be wild and crazy which every march you know it brings but but no kyle uh any any idea of who's going to come out on top of this bad boy oh like i said i i haven't watched a lot so i kind of go just on gut feeling, like names that I've kind of heard in the kind of the, the background of, of Sports Center and stuff like that. But a uh, couple of teams that you mentioned, I actually have uh, UC Santa Barbara beating Creighton. I have Winthrop beating Villanova. Uh, I'm interested to see if this is a year that, because it's been so crazy, because scheduling has been different if that means there's going to be more upsets because teams aren't going to have much film other than just the, the conference matchups mostly, or if that will lead to less upsets because the big schools might overwhelm them because they, the, the small school schools haven't had the experience of going against the bigger, faster athlete. Or maybe it'll be the exact same and you'll have some big schools and some small schools advancing. But like I said, I, I'm, I'm just kind of interested to see also kind of what it's like having all of the games played within, what, 150 miles of each other. I, I think that'll kind of be crazy as well because just kind of like the NBA bubble, like you know these teams are going to cross paths with each other. They're going to – be waiting in lines at, at restaurants or waiting for food, what, whatever it is, waiting for different practice spaces to open up. So I don't know. I think the just the dynamics of everything might be kind of interesting this year. You know, I thought this would be a, a unique opportunity to, since Indiana is such a big basketball state, if they could create, instead of having the West, the East, the Midwest, and the South regions, what could they do to like historically name these divisions or these segments of the tournament 
that would be uh, kind of, you know, uh, allusions to some of the history that has gone down in, in Indiana for basketball. Because you, you hear about Hoosiers and all the, all the uh, craziness there. The Nebraska State Tournament uh, became a, a state tournament based off some of those uh, playoffs that happened before in the state of Indiana and, and things like that. So just such a rich basketball state, I think they could kind of miss an opportunity to do something special instead of having a West division that. Yeah. Changing. Yeah, the, the Larry Bird uh, bracket or the Jimmy Chitwood from Hoosiers bracket or uh, yeah, it could have been pretty, pretty fun. Whether factual or maybe semi-factual movie references, there's just a lot to choose from. Yeah, yeah, you could. Uh, I don't know if they'd even go as far as to say the the Bobby Knight division with all the <laughs> all the excitement he would bring the state, but yeah, just something along those lines. But is there is there a team every March that you just hope, no matter if they're a one versus sixteen matchup? Um, or maybe a more uh, coin flip that you just you hope lose in the first round uh, just because of maybe what they've done historically or just that rub you the wrong way? Uh, to me, it would always be Duke just because I, I just actually just don't like Duke, and they did me one better and didn't even make it. So uh, other than that, it's always it's always interesting. I'll say on this podcast the fact that I haven't watched any games. I, I can't name any players from my favorite team. Uh, but by this point next week, uh, I'll I'll be able to to tell you exactly what each team needs to do to advance, just based on watching ten minutes of their game. Like I always always find it interesting that people fill out these brackets knowing nothing, or at least not knowing stuff about all sixty eight teams, and then I'd say a. Uh, halfway through that first day people are saying like oh yeah like like Michigan I like I knew that Michigan was going to struggle against those guys because of the the trapping defense that so-and-so plays and like I said it only takes me about the first two days to really feel like I'm the expert among all experts with uh, college I, I think that's kind of why I like watching a lot of those small school so I record every championship game and I I watch the Big South Championship, Big West, and um, as they go. And you know, if I if I don't catch every minute of it, I'm not upset. But it's fun to kind of learn a little bit about like Liberty or uh, the Winthrop's and things like that, who have a tradition of being good. You know, 20, 25 wins a year um, on a normal year, and have just kind of dominated the conference. How, and how would they match up? The style of play? Does it? Are they fast-paced? Are they more like a Syracuse where they slow it down and try to beat you 46-45 or something crazy like that? Um, and so it's just fun when I feel when I fill out my bracket and I pick a Winthrop over uh, Villanova and, you know, maybe 45% of the nation knows all the stuff I know and they pick the same matchup, but at least you got it right. You know, the the – consensus 5-12 upset that they say will always happen and it's happened at least once every every year since the the late 70s and so um it's just funny how this game has become a game and sometimes the more you know the worse you do simply for the fact of sometimes too much knowledge is not a good thing yeah and just 
thinking about the fact that when you boil it down, these are most of the time 19 year old kids that are 19 years old and are unpredictable and pressure gets to them or momentum gets to them and one and done and it's over. So I don't know. It's like I said, those first two days of the tournament are always my favorite just because it, it literally feels it's like the, the red zone channel of, of an NFL Sunday where you're always watching the last five minutes of a game. It feels like. Yeah, and and if you're if you're not watching a certain game because it should be a blowout, then all of a sudden you're kicked over on national TV to that game, and you start to kind of root for that 12 seed or that 13 seed, or shoot, even a couple years ago, UMBC over Virginia when there's a 16 over one, and uh, I think feel like this is the one tournament, and yeah, it's only happened once, but whether you're number 68 or you're number one, there's a chance where you go home that first Thursday. And that's all she wrote. Yeah, exactly. And like I said, there's this year just seems like we're we're bound to see more of that that craziness or more close games than no. I I honestly don't know. I'm I guess it could probably go a thousand different ways, but uh, the uncertainty of it all I think is is leading to more excitement. It's it's just funny. This will be the one year that, you know, we have all ones in the finals, all ones and twos in the Elite Eight, all ones yeah. three. Like, it'll just go so normal that we won't know what to do after the first weekend. And um, I, I sure hope it doesn't because it's always fun to talk about and watch and uh, the highlights of a, a 15, 2, 13, you know, 4, whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, because, shoot, chaos is, is fun to, to watch and can't can't look away. Yeah. Uh, is is there a, a an underdog, a a small school that you know you have an eye on? You, we talked about your your love for North Carolina, and by no means is that a an underdog in any matchup that they'll play in, except maybe against Baylor. But is is there a small school that you that makes the tournament quite often that you just find yourself rooting for, or is there? Are you are you a big boy? Are you a a favorites only fan? Oh well, I mean, like obviously at this point, like you could probably always say that Gonzaga is obviously a small school, but they're the number one overall seed and and probably lost out last year on a chance, like probably a really good chance of winning it all. Yeah. Um. So obviously, kind of taking them out of it. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm not. I'm not even sure. I'm just kind of scanning to which ones kind of even stand out more to me uh, than maybe the average. Um, but uh, even a school, like I said, and, and they're, they're a two seed, but like the last three or four years, Houston has been one of the, the more fun teams just with the guard play and the athletes that, that they kind of have. And uh, a couple years ago with the, the couple of guards that they that they played with it to me that that was my favorite team to watch but um yeah i guess in that regard i i like the upsets early on no matter where they come from um but when it comes down to it when we get to the elite eight uh i do kind of want a, a few more of the the higher seeds the ones the twos the threes and 
just because those are going to be the guys that I actually, in a normal year, would have a little bit more invested in. But uh, I guess in the, a portion of my bracket, I have UC Santa Barbara beating Creighton, and then I also have Ohio beating Virginia. So I guess in, in that regard, if I was to, to nail that correct, I'd have a, a second-round matchup of a 12 versus a 13, which is always interesting when you have the two double-digit seeds playing in the second round. Yeah, that's uh, for me, that's always kind of the dream. You know, like just anybody can see one versus eight in the second round or two versus seven, but how can we get a, a 10 versus – you know, 13 or whatever it would come out to be, or 12, 13, um, just because then at least it feels like it's anybody's game. Uh, but you kind of brought up a, a good point with Houston and just that American conference. Uh, we kind of talked about how Loyola is kind of making a name for themselves, and we talked a little bit off air, and I kind of want to talk about that again, just how Missouri Valley has two teams. And – uh, usually that's probably a one big league, one bid league, and for a while it was Creighton or Wichita State, and then it was Northern Iowa for a few years. Once Creighton and Wichita State moved out, and now Northern Iowa is a little down this year, but Drake was undefeated for the longest time. Loyola Chicago, Loyola Chicago knocked him off, but Drake got one of those final four uh, bids and is is in a play-in game. And it's just funny how the Missouri Valley has kind of always had two teams, one team rise to the occasion and really lead the mid-majors, if you would, in, in the Midwest and produce some pretty darn good basketball. Yeah, and I like even back when I was in high school, like Southern Illinois would just have these huge guards that would just kind of would dominate and they made a couple of long runs or deep runs into the tournament. And uh, yeah, Evansville has made runs and then Talking about Indiana, Indiana State is where Larry Bird went. Like, they've been Missouri Valley for, for a long time. And, yeah, there's always a couple of teams that will have those good three-, four-year runs, and then it just kind of cycles through. And, yeah, bringing in uh, Loyola Chicago and kind of kind of took the lead on on that for a while, it seems like. It's in. It's 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 funny how, and I think cycling is kind of the way, uh, the best way to describe it as you did because, you know, you you forget about uh, Southern Illinois doing it for a four year stretch, and Bradley and Evansville and just about every team in that in that conference has had a couple runs in the NCAA tournament where they either they make it two years in a row, or they have a year where they win a game or two that uh, no one really saw coming. So. Uh, it, it's kind of sad or bittersweet to see Creighton, you know, leave it. But clearly the Big East is doing a lot of good stuff for him because, uh, you know, top 15 nationals uh, ranking every year, lost in the championship the last couple of years to a very good Nova team and a very hot, uh, it was a Georgetown team this year. Yeah, Georgetown smoked them. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's, again, bittersweet because now they're playing on a national level and not playing some of the more regional teams, but you know both both divisions or both conferences are are really excelling because of it. I think. Yeah, and speaking of Creighton, and again coming back to Nebraska high school sports, it, it's crazy to think that Nebraska has uh, a top ten recruit in the nation in, in Hunter Solis, and he hasn't actually declared where he's going next year yet. 
and I, th I think he has it lowered uh, or kind of cut down to his final eight, and then Creighton is one of them, and to me, if, if Creighton's sitting in the Missouri Valley, no matter how good they're doing, I don't think he's considering them being a number seven recruit in the nation, but being in the Big East, he knows he's going to kind of get that uh, exposure, and yeah, he's he's got Kentucky, North Carolina, Creighton, Iowa State. Like, unfortunately, Nebraska is is not on that list, which probably isn't surprising to anybody with how bad they were this year. But uh, like I said, I, it's it's cool just to have watched probably the best season of Nebraska high school basketball to see now, especially next year, these guys on on this stage. We're, we're going to be able to talk about some some Nebraska kids hopefully in big ways with this tournament next year. And I think that's kind of one of the last things I want to hit on is just how it's been fun when Nebraska will play North Dakota State or South Dakota State. You see a Nebraska kid on the roster who has some pretty good playing time, but again, it's a Summit League or it's it's the Mountain West and they're playing at Wyoming, so they're not at the San, San Diego State or the New Mexico, the Utah states that have really been at the top of that division. But now we're seeing two, three, four guys in the next couple of classes who it's not just regional. <laughs> it's, you know, Gonzaga has called, has checked yeah. out Salas. Like some names that carry a lot of weight and kids who dream up, you know, grow up dreaming of playing college basketball. Uh, you know, North Dakota State has been, had a good run in the Summit League. South Dakota State's had a great run in the Summit League. But every game they play is not on ESPN in prime time or on Saturday, yeah. you know, uh, hosting college game day. And so to see guys that, you know, we could drive two, three hours on a given weekend uh, and play in person. And they're looking at these top schools that, you know, you can't walk through Shields without seeing five or six different logos of, the, of their school plastered somewhere, I think is pretty, pretty impressive the last, last couple of years and the next couple of years to come. Yeah, definitely. And uh, I know about the time when I was graduating, Omaha Central was really good and, and Bellevue West was really good still. And they had two guys, Josh Jones and Antoine Young, who at that time I was like, wow, it, it won't get any better than that. And, yeah. and those guys were Creighton, both Creighton recruits and obviously that was big time because it was D1. It was hometown kids going. And now just in the span of 10 years, we've, we've kind of expanded nationally. And like you said, have three teams from the state of Nebraska that are, are rated in the <laughs> final, final rankings on max preps and stuff like that. And it, it was, it's just crazy to kind of think about. We're, yeah. I think we're, we're slowly becoming more of a, a basketball kind of uh, product in terms of next level talent than, than we are a, even a football one. Well, shoot, who knows, by our 10th year anniversary, this may be a basketball pod. This might not even yeah. be a college football pod. <laughs> well, the way it's going, we might still have the same pod, but it might be four different guys going on the way we're kind of cycling <laughs> through and running into some scheduling conflicts yeah no uh but it's been kind of fun you know i think brandon and i uh had fun talking fcs football this has been fun diving into uh into the old bracket a little bit deeper than maybe we would have with the four of us and who knows maybe you and danny can 
talk about golf for six hours and really make it a big event. Yeah, and I like especially this time of year. There's there's not a lot of college football going on. It is a busy time in terms of everything else that you have going on. Some some spring cleaning and all that kind of fun stuff. So uh, I think as long as we as long as there's two people willing to to chat about some things, maybe we don't get the full crew back. Uh, hopefully, we get it back every once in a while. But maybe a couple of uh, smaller pods. Can, you can dive into some some different different type of the conversations. Yeah, for sure. And with, with that being said, Kyle, any extra points? I know we've spent a lot of time on the old college basketball scene. Any Anyone, you know, change direction and uh, give a shout-out or anything like that? Uh, just like I said, the, the weather, you can – well, I, I say this, and I, I just got snowed in on my way back home from a little – kind of a, a weekend vacation that we were trying to do. It got snowed in and made it a day longer than we were anticipating. But with with just with the weather starting to change, it's it's kind of cool to to kind of see the the track kids and the the soccer kids and all the spring sport athletes getting outside and I just got signed up to help with some track meets and I don't know, just you start counting down and getting closer to that to that big summer break. It's it's hard to believe it. at this point last year, our summer break had just actually started with, with all the COVID stuff. And I know there's been a million things written and talked about, about uh, kind of being the one year anniversary of everything changing. But uh, like I said, it's good to kind of get that, that spring feeling in the air and the, the hours change in time to where it's not dark when I get home. And like I said, if if nothing else, I'm I'm excited for for the change in in the weather. Yeah, no, and I, there's there's just something about that, uh, and I guess this this year when we had soccer tryouts, it was like 55 to 65 to almost 80 every day, um, and so of course this last seven days or so, it's been at the highest 40, and it snowed on us a little bit, and obviously the the Mountain West and uh, the Rocky Mountains got like feet and feet of snow, not just a few, yeah. just uh, quite, uh, quite the, the number for a mid-March number. And so uh, hopefully Kelly didn't just jinx it about uh, the nicer weather coming back around. But, but no, it's always fourth quarter. You, there's light at the end of the tunnel. We're almost there to that, you know, that ever so, uh, uh, that summer break that always seems to escape us faster than we want it to. Oh yeah, for sure. But no, you know, as we wind down, uh, reach out to us on Twitter, Instagram, email us. If you're still interested in that old email, uh, who's your sleeper pick for March madness. Who's the blue blood. That's just going to cruise on through. Is it that Gonzaga entering at 25, 26 and 0 this year, the only undefeated team could be the first undefeated champion in a long time. So, uh, there's one storyline, but as we alluded to, this could be the the March Madness of Madnesses, and uh, it should be fun to watch. You know, reach out, let us know who are you picking, who are you rooting for. If there's a game on the line, who's gonna hit that game-winning three? We'll see who's singing second. <laughs>